if a product or service actually delivers a transformation of some kind, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a Starbucks coffee. It's like, I am all of a sudden transported back to vacation because when I go on vacation, I drink this drink, right? Whatever, whatever it is, transformation is really what people buy. So getting all those beliefs in check is one line of training. Then the other line of training is how do I bring people in? What is the combination of marketing? What do I ask them when we first have our sales call? That's the part people typically think about as sales training. The case I'm making is that you need both. You actually need an inventory of your beliefs. You want to build on a strong foundation. The good news is you can continually improve your beliefs and learn the tactics of how to sell. You need both. Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's your host, the Small Biz Chat Lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Hi, everyone. I'm Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, America's number one small business expert. And I'm so excited to welcome you to another edition of the Small Biz Chat Podcast. We're going to talk about if selling makes you feel uncomfortable. I have an expert here who's going to break down how to make it feel like you're helping and not selling. And if sales overwhelms you, you're in the right place. We have an author who's going to break down how humans sell. Here at the Small Biz Chat Podcast, our mission is to end small business failure. This is a peer-to-peer mentoring show where we give you advice from multiple angles. We want you to take your business to the next level. And that is why we do what we do. The Small Biz Chat Podcast can be seen on my Small Biz Lady fan page and on my Small Biz YouTube channel. Now, listen, if you like what you see today, feel free to subscribe. You want to make sure that you do not miss another episode. And I am so excited to have our next guest. You know, people, small business owners' biggest fear is selling. But we have an expert here today who's going to help all of us learn how to feel better about sales. Think about it like helping. So with that, I want to introduce my next guest, Catherine Brown. She's a veteran, 25 years B2B selling, and she launched her first sales consulting firm in 2003. She now runs a sales training firm called Extra Bold Sales, where she coaches others to sell with confidence. Her sales system includes psychological research that gets to the heart of why people don't sell effectively. In her new book, How Good Humans Sell, The Proven Path to B2B Sales Success, she complies the best sales practices with social psychology principles. And her training can be used in combination with other sales training programs to help sales professionals overcome that hesitation that keeps them from closing more business. For more information, you can go to howgoodhumanssell.com. Catherine, welcome to the Small Biz Chef Podcast. Thank you so much. I love to sell. I love to help other people enjoy it more. And I'm really glad to be asked. Thanks. Awesome. So let's just jump into it. So selling is the life's blood of any successful business, yet it's people's biggest challenge. Why is that? Yeah. So I think, unfortunately, we will, we always will have 
what I call bad actors with us, right? So there will there are people who are manipulative in the way they sell or that have somehow made you think that the definition of selling is always persuasion. And they think, I don't want to be like that. So um, I just to test this theory, whether this was the case, I actually did a whole bunch of research prior to launching the book. And what I showed is that business owners as well, I mean, it's just so, it's so sad, Linda, but the, it's also their employees that they hire all demonstrate that they hold some reluctance and concern about being perceived as too pushy. So it's really a universal problem, both for the employees and their employer. So how do people get a reputation for being sleazy? Or like, like if they feel like sales is sleazy, how can they get over that and do what they got to do to sell for their business? Yes. So one of the first things we do is I always talk about all my talks and all my training. We talk first about noticing your beliefs. So I really love the word notice. Okay. N-O-T-I-C-E. I love the word notice because it tells me that I want to pay attention, but it is not a judging voice. <laughs> you know, many of us that are high performers have a, you know, a real internal driver that has a strong should. You should have done this. You should have done this. You know, that, that, that is not helpful kind of talk. So when you notice that you feel anxious or you notice that you're holding back because it's time to follow up, but you feel anxious, the first thing to do is literally to slow things down and take stock of what you're observing. Because what happens is people have this feeling, then that's how they interpret. Let's say my mouth is a little bit dry or my palms get a little sweaty. Well, because I already think sales is bad, I'm automatically going to interpret those physiological symptoms negatively. And then I'm going to run away from whatever it is I'm supposed to do. And the problem is that this happens in three seconds. So by pretending you're in a movie, right? I'm going to slow things down and walk yourself through. I 100% believe and have observed that people can change the trajectory of their selling and the way they think about it by first taking stock and asking themselves, is what I'm believing in this moment true? Right? I'm afraid this person is going to be mean to me. I'm afraid they're going to think that I'm bothering them if I call them. But how many times has that actually been the case, right? To really take stunning takes a little bit of observation and slowing down to begin with. So how do people, I mean, but sales is so important, especially to new business owners. Like how do you go learn sales skills? Yeah. Super question. If you came out of a corporate sales job, you don't know how to sell. No, you don't. Right? You don't. And most people, most people, of course, you, you heard in the subtitle of the book, most of the people I work with, sell a product or service B2B. All that means is you're selling something to another business. So it could be anything, right? It could be marketing services. You could be a you could be a CPA, you could be a lawyer, you can actually have a software product. You can make you can make a physical product. You can make an office product. If a business is buying it, that's what B2B means. Most people who start businesses have a skill set in a service or invented a product, but nobody expected to have to sell. And so, especially when people raise money, one of the first things they want to do is they want to go use it to hire someone because they just want to get out of the job as fast as they can. I mean, this is this is just a very common problem. So I think it helps. My, my first answer to you would be, if you know you're weak in sales, think of sales in two buckets. One 
is to think about literally the foundations of my beliefs. Do I believe I deserve to have a successful business? Do I believe that what I'm offering is really making a difference to people? Do I really believe in what I'm selling? Do I see sort of the grander purpose of what it offers? We always think if a product or service actually delivers a transformation of some kind, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a Starbucks coffee. It's like, I am all of a sudden transported back to vacation because when I go on vacation, I drink this drink, right? Whatever, whatever it is, transformation is really what people buy. So getting all those beliefs in check is one line of training. Then the other line of training is how do I bring people in? What is the combination of marketing? What do I ask them when we first have our sales call? That's the part people typically think about as sales training. The case I'm making is that you need both. You actually need an inventory of your beliefs. You want to build on a strong foundation. The good news is you can continually improve your beliefs and learn the tactics of how to sell. You need both. So... When you think about this, okay, so you're saying I need my emotional EQ stuff tweaked. That's right. And then then I got to go to somebody like Paul Getter and understand how to build this landing page, how to build these funnels and all all this kind of stuff. Right. So what I what I want to understand, though, is like. If, if sales happens in stages, because we know there are different pieces of the funnel, right? There's brand awareness, then there's consideration, then there's the purchase, then there's, you know, retention and then advocacy. Then how do you, do you have to learn each piece? Or is it? Well, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do if you're B2B. <laughs> you do, because someone has to initiate, this is the process, right? In different words from what you said, someone has to initiate with someone else. So it's either what I call a hand raiser and someone who has received your marketing or has clicked on your ad or has downloaded something from your website and wants to have a conversation with you. Or you see them and you think, this is the niche I work with and I would love to work with that person. And you actually send a sales email and you invite them to a conversation. It doesn't matter. Whomever initiates with someone else, that's always the first stage. We have a conversation. There's some key things I need to know to know that I can actually win the work and that I can help you. And then we invite them to buy, right? We say, would you like to do X next? And there's some kind of call to action. One of the things I talk about and how good humans sell is that it doesn't matter what you sell. There's some key things you always need to ask. So somehow doesn't have to all be in the first conversation. It could be that some of the information is on a form they fill out on your website. It could be that some of the information comes over email or you learn this part in this conversation with the first time I talked to the company and the second time I talked to that same person and their partner and then I learned the rest of the information. It doesn't matter. But what I would want your listeners to understand is if you sell something pretty complicated, and I'd say complicated is you know something that's a uh, five, six, seven figure item, you you do not want to send a proposal and you do not want to send a draft contract. And so you are searching, you're talking to the buyer, right? Because that, that's easy to actually misunderstand. You understand what else they've tried and why they're looking. You have actually told them what this is going to cost. Like a lot of people who feel anxious talking about money will throw a proposal over the fence and try to get the proposal to sell for them instead of vetting people on price early, which I think that's a real disservice. That's kind of a a chicken way to go about it. What happens is it really lowers your close rate because people are surprised. They're disappointed and surprised because you didn't bring it up earlier. So these things that I call the magic topics, they're all knowable things. They're all things you can ask about in the natural conversation and they're all learnable. 
I love it. I love it. All right. So what do you think is, you know, I hear all of that and all of that, what you said, I think was gold. Like, like what you just told people, I'm like, girl, if somebody had told me about this stuff early <laughs> on, I learned it all the hard way, but what do? That's why I wrote the book. <laughs> but what kinds of tools do people have to have in place to get this information or to oh. prepare the proposals or, you know, to even go back and forth and, and try to have multiple sales conversations? Like what kinds of tools do they need to have? That's a great question. Yeah, that's a really great question. I haven't asked, I haven't been asked that before. I'm going to name two that come to mind. And that's not in any way to dismiss anything Paul said earlier. Like, I think um, if you, you know, if you want to market and sell today, you have to figure out what you're doing online. So most of my clients or on, mine are on LinkedIn and then some on Facebook and some Instagram, but they're, they're using LinkedIn very heavily in the, in the industries we're in. So they're going to have a profile and, and, and should treat their profile really basically like a website. Your about section needs to read like your website. So that person who comes and reads about you knows how you can help, right? It's not your resume. Nobody wants to read your resume. Plus that's what the second half of the LinkedIn profile is. The top part is really you sharing how you help. So, so yes, 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 yes to all that. The two things I would say a person also needs are you actually need a way to track who you're talking to. (laughs) So there are a a zillion CRMs out there and everybody's got an opinion and some are integrated with your email marketing and some aren't. And there's pros and cons to all these different things. I don't care if you start on a spreadsheet, which lots of people do when they're a startup, you actually need to track who you're talking to, what you told them last and what you said you would do next. And so a customer relationship management database, a CRM of some kind, many are free to start out with, or many, I just upgraded from one I was using that was free forever. And now it's 30 a month. I mean, it just does not have to be a lot of money for that small business owner, but you really do need to track who you're talking to so that you can use that data for marketing and have those email lists all in the same place and things like that. The second thing that I'm going to say might be a surprise to some of your listeners. You really need multiple versions of your value proposition. When I say your value proposition, what I mean is a two to three sentence construction that you write where the first sentence always lists either the challenge that your ideal client is experiencing or an outcome they want to have. So the first sentence can say something like, for example, for my sales training for a long time, my website used to say, business owners are frustrated when their sales teams don't perform well and they don't know why. Extra Bold Sales has a sales system to help your team have their best year ever. Okay, that's all it said. It was two sentences. Who was my buyer? Business owner. What was their problem? Sales team was not performing. Do do we know why? Nope. Don't know why. Need someone to tell me. Okay. So everyone can do something like that where the first sentence is about who you help. Second sentence is how you help. This is called a value proposition. You don't have just one. Like you probably have 50 in, in, in the things you do because you can have one for different products. You can have one for different audiences and there's no wrong answer. But if you write this, if you take the time to think through this, You can use this for social. This will inform your ads, the ads that people click on. This is your about section on your LinkedIn. This is your Facebook post that you use different variations over and over to get engagement. Why does it work? Because the first sentence is about the person who is the reader. 
right? They're drawn into a story because they go, ah, that's my problem. So a value proposition combined with a way to track who you're talking to, that will get you a long way. And by the way, those can be pretty low tech things. I think the barrier to entry is pretty low. I love it. I love it. Catherine, you just dropped like a mega, mega (laughs) pearl out here because I honestly didn't think about that myself. All right, Catherine, I want to jump back into this. Tell me about when is it the right time to bring in a salesperson to help you with your sales in your business? Yes, because I shared earlier that I think people do this too soon. (laughs) So let me tell you why you don't want to do it too soon. And I will answer your question. You don't want to hire someone in many cases, as soon as your emotions tell you, you want to, because if you are really truly just getting started in your small business, if you're very early, there's things that you basically have to pay to learn no matter. And I loved your book and I read every word of it. And I think the outline of the steps were so great in, you know, how to become your own boss in 12 months. And I appreciate that you shared, you're going to do all these things and you're going to have to keep tweaking them because you're not going to get everything right the first time. It's not going to be perfect. Every business pivots in its message, its audience, who you go to, what the product needs, et cetera. So the problem is if you hire too early, you end up blaming the salesperson and you don't actually know what the problem was. And I see this all the time, all the time in business to business. Let's say it's a software startup of some kind. People say, you know what, I'm going to hire this person. And they said they'd work for 100% commission only. And they have all the connections in the area. So there's not much risk to me. And they're going to take these accounts and they're going to go sell for me. Well, the problem is you're still not completely sure of exactly who you're serving. You think you know, but you're still testing it out because it's really early and you only have three clients or even 13 clients. You're just getting started. And so you don't know if it's the messaging that's a problem. You don't know if the person doesn't have a good work ethic. You don't know if people actually, you have a, you know, a, a customer service or delivery issue yet. It's just so early that you don't know if they struggle, you don't know why. And if you will learn to feel comfortable enough to be the seller for a period of time, I would say a sign that you're ready to hire is that you can articulate. I really do know the niche that we're serving. I understand why they're buying from me. I can prove that I've tested this. And I also have a sense of that sales process you asked me about earlier. So now when someone comes in, I can coach them and say, so here's what I found. We tend to have to talk to this many people to get this many to watch a demo. And this many who watch a demo, this many convert. Those things are all knowable with practice. So... So are you saying, so are you saying like 18 to 24 months, you should sell yourself? Well, certainly at least a year, right? I mean, the thing is time flies so fast, you know, a person may refer to themselves as a startup for year one to three, because there's still things they're figuring out. So I certainly wouldn't do it in the first year, maybe 18 to 24 months, depending on really what kind of head start you had and how much certainty you had. I will tell you, I have had my current sales training business for six years. I had another kind of firm before that. And I started out serving entrepreneurs. Then I did a bunch of bigger corporate teams and I've come full circle and I'm back around more to entrepreneurs again. And I like, I teach this stuff. Okay. And in six years, like it's changed, it's evolved some. And so I think you need at least a little bit of time to have some certainty Unless you just want to flush your money down the toilet. I mean, you're welcome to hire somebody, but we're trying to be shrewd in our hiring and be careful. So I think there's a certain amount of confidence you need to have 
in that value proposition in a clarified sales process, and then you can make that higher. So what kind of structure for your sales process do you need to have internally before you hire a salesperson? Because I think sometimes people will hire a salesperson and they really don't even understand what they need to do to support that person or what kinds of things they need to have in place, materials, technology, whatever, you know what I mean? Exactly. So- exactly. I mean, most people need, you need something to share. You need an asset to share in addition to the website. So how can I share content that shows our thought leadership in a certain area? It might be, there's a case study. It might be that you have a checklist or a quiz or something you've developed. that's actually like how to know X and X time, right? What's the problem you solve and how can that be turned into something that is shareable? So there's like sort of basic assets that I think are good to have. How have you documented your own work? So you know the process, then you can see what they're doing. So now every CRM is in the cloud. The person doesn't even have to share at the same physical proximity as you, but you need to have the thing set up so you can actually see if people are working. And I don't mean that in a big brother way, but if you have done the work of figuring out your process, then you will know, you know what? Here's the thing. I already did the work. So I know that actually it's very reasonable for someone to call 30 people in a day. I know it because I did it. Right. So if someone tells you that just can't be done, well, that's just not true because you did it. So you know, you don't have to do it forever, but you need to do things enough that you can have confidence that to be also think about fairness to the person. You're bringing a person in. And if you can't, set their expectations about this is generally how long the sales process has been up until now. And here are the key steps. If you can't map out that stuff for someone, what are they stepping into? A mess, a mess. (laughs) It's just not fair, right? It's just not fair because they're seeing, unless you say, Hey, come ugly early with me. I don't know anything. I'll just pay you anyway. If a person's in a position to do that, that's fine. Really? I mean, that's fine. But most of us were bootstrapping and we want to figure the stuff out as fast as we can and then turn around and use the profits toward hiring people. That's how many services firms do it. So, you know, we're very, we're trying to be very shrewd about the money. Definitely, definitely. No one, no one, no small business can throw away money. That's for sure. Now, last question, Catherine, what is the best business advice you've ever been given? Yes. So I'm actually going to piggyback on something Paul said earlier. And when he said it, I thought, oh, I'm going to sound like a copier, but I promise I have thought about this before. So our theme is this idea of something being enough, right? Not waiting until you have something perfect. So my expression, I say all the time in my business, I taught it to my grown kids now is that perfect is the enemy of good. An expression, actually, many people will say perfect is the enemy of good enough. And that's not actually how the quote goes. It's perfect is the enemy of good. Because truly what I can offer can be good and it can make a real difference for someone. And it does not have to be perfect. People who take risks will fail. But people who have huge wins were people who took risks. It's like it's like a logic equation. You really can't have one without the other. And so getting comfortable with that has been a really big part of that for me. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much, Catherine. Your book, um, How Good Humans Sell, I really enjoyed it. And so that's why I was so excited to finally have our schedules sync up so I can get you on the show because it's absolutely a great book. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to sales expert, Catherine Brown. Go grab her book, How Good Humans Sell. 
If you are interested in learning about what kind of boss you might be, I want you to head over to bossquiz.com and get your complete business profile so that you can figure out the right business opportunity for you. Thank you all for joining me for another edition of the Small Biz Chat podcast. You know, our mission here is to end small business failure. I'm Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady, and I want to leave you with this. You never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. God bless everybody. Thanks for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday for more fantastic information and interviews. You can find more sources and small business success strategies by visiting Melinda's website, succeedasyourownboss.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.